was saying, um, we're doing a series, and the, the series is on Isaiah 61, and I was given verse 2, and verse 2 is to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. You'll have to forgive me, because once again, what I've done is, as I've prepared my sermon, as I've sat in front of my computer screen, everything looks a really good size when you're sitting up close. And um, as we go through my slides, for you, the words are going to get smaller. But that's okay, because I'm going to read them out to you anyway. Wisdom is a great thing. We gain wisdom through our experience. How blessed are we that we have found favour with our God? Our salvation through Christ on the cross is the ultimate favour that we receive from a loving God. So what is it to proclaim something? One of the things that I'm learning as I'm given the chance to, to bring what I feel God is laying on my heart when I'm given a, a sermon to, to bring, is that I need to look up what words mean. Now this is something new to me. It may be not new to some of you, but for me, looking up a word and understanding its meaning is one of the things that God is teaching me to do to make sure that when I'm bringing a word, that I know what I'm talking about. The definition of proclaim is this. To publicly and officially tell people about something important. Did everybody know that? Okay, I didn't. So, to proclaim is to publicly and officially tell people about something important. The second part of that is to show clearly and to be a sign of something. Isaiah is declaring action. God is a God of action. And Jesus, through his actions and obedience, paid the cost of our salvation so that we can have a relationship through his sacrifice on the cross with our Father in heaven. Amen? Yeah. We have all found favour with God, have we not? Yeah. Okay. We can all look back at our lives and see God's favour over It's a wonderful gift God has given us, freely and gracefully. We recently have just finished a series, if you're not part of this church, on being equipped to share the gospel and to disciple the new believer. Nick was very keen for us all to see our own ability and to generate confidence in us so that as individuals and as a church, we can take responsibility for our part. 
our part in God's plan to save the lost and to see his kingdom here on earth. Now this piece of scripture, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God and to comfort all who mourn, is another challenge. God wants us to hear the message. A calling is on us. God has anointed us. Christ has appointed us. You see, we all have the good news. We have a testimony and we have favour. And all are called to publicly and officially tell about something important. Isn't it great how much God can say in just a few words? This message is about revealing our God. His nature, his purposes, for us and for the fallen and for those that mourn. There's four words in this verse that is the focus of my message this morning. One is proclaim. Two is favour. Three is vengeance. And four is comfort. Proclaim. These four words are transforming. Why? Well, the first, proclaim, is an action, a declaration on our part to tell others of the important things God has done in our lives. A declaration on our part to tell others of the important things God has done in our lives. This in itself can test all of us. It may bring discomfort. It may bring joy. It will bring us into a place of humility. You see, the more often we are able to share our testimony and God's favour in our life, the more we speak out aloud to others the favour and the grace we have received over our lives, the more we can see how blessed we truly are. If we reflect on our lives before we knew Christ personally, and see the transformation of our thinking, our behaviour, our relationships, of those close to us and those around us. Then, part two of proclaim is that we are to be a sign. There is to be something clear about us that makes us reflect through our words and our actions Christ within us. We are, after all, 
born again. A new creation, ambassadors of Christ. Favour. Favour is a thing that we do to help somebody else. Favour will reinforce how blessed you truly are. To be in constant receipt of God's purposes in our lives, the grace and the mercy that as heirs to the kingdom we receive daily. That it pleases our Father to shower us with gifts and love and patience and kindness. If we who are blessed that are the recipients of help in abundance without prejudice, what does this do? It brings us into a place of security. For we know that in all things we can trust God. Amen? Something's happening. I don't know why it's um, gone away. We'll carry on. So, as I was saying, we that are in favour, we know that in all things we can trust John. They in Psalm I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. For the Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. There is our security right now. God will watch over us. And he will keep us safe from harm. We can trust his word. It's a declaration of God's favour over our lives. We need to feed and meditate daily. If we tap in, plug in and recharge on the truths, we will be fruitful in what we are minded to do. In what God <coughs> God lays his will on our hearts. We are to bear witness to his favour. <coughs> For our witness is his own revelation to somebody else. 
It will be a seed, an imprint of the truth that God really cares. God really cares. Mm. And has an abundance of love and grace for so many. We are to love the lost, the displaced, to heal the sick, and we are to care for the orphan and the widow. Proclaiming God's word is not an easy thing to do for most of us. But we are to trust as we walk. The next part, vengeance, is a little bit more difficult. You see, if we're proclaiming to call God's favour and to be a beacon to others, then, as Isaiah says, we are also proclaiming to call to proclaim God's vengeance. This day is yet to come. In Luke chapter 4, when Jesus is in the synagogue and he's handed the scroll to read, he reads from Isaiah 61. It says, He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, so the set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus stopped at favour. He tells the people as we read on in Luke that today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. So we also can take part of this truth. But he does not declare that the day of God's vengeance has been fulfilled. But if we read on a little further into Isaiah, then in chapter 63 we read, 
Who is coming from Eden? From Bosworth, with his garments stained with crimson. Who is this robed in splendour, striving forward in the greatness of his strength? It is I, proclaiming victory, mighty to save. Why are your garments red, like those of one treading the winepress? I have trodden the winepress alone from the nations. No one was with me. I trampled them in my anger and trod them down in my wrath. Their blood spattered my garments, and I stained all my clothing. <coughs> it was for me the day of vengeance. The year for me to redeem had come. I looked, but there was no one to help. I was appalled that no one gave support. So my own arm achieved salvation for me, and my own wrath sustained me. I trampled the nations in my anger. In my wrath, I made them drunk and poured their blood on the ground. Again, words. This is another really beautiful thing that, um, that as, I, as, I, as I've been giving these uh, talks and God's allowed me to kind of, you know, see what he wants me to see. The illustration of, of God's words, uh, you know, really calls me to reflect of, of, of what's going on and what's around me. We know, as we read and have heard, that Jesus will return to the earth. That God will bring forward his judgment. You see, we cannot deliver a half message. Do you struggle with this? I know I can. You see, at the heart of the message is God's grace, love and mercy. But just as God is love, he is also judge and has a righteous hand. A, de a declaration, a spoken truth that he will also fulfil. This is to bring his vengeance, his wrath, to all who did not heed his wounds. So just as we are to re reveal and announce publicly God's favour and what that has meant for us, so we are also to announce and publicly um, reveal God's vengeance and what that will bring about. Now, you may be minded to get on a soapbox in the middle of town and declare God's vengeance on the world. And if you are so minded, then you are very brave. <laughs> And if you are very brave, then it is because God has blessed you with a amount of courage that I don't have. <laughs> but for many of us, to proclaim this God's vengeance is a difficult and uncomfortable thing to do. 
It's like we feel that we must not scare or offend others of what's to come. Maybe, maybe there is a bit of Jonah in us. We want to run away from this. If you remember, Jonah was called by God to deliver his message to the city of Nineveh. Jonah wanted God's vengeance on the city, but he knew God would forgive him. Now, what I am not saying, this is what I am not saying, is that I or you just want God's vengeance here on earth. More that how fear, our fear, can pull us away from being obedient and trusting God in all things. Especially when having to confront the world and its wrongs. At the beginning of my sermon today, I said, wisdom is a great thing. And we gain wisdom through our experiences. The Bible, God's Word, and as we read and gain experience with God's Word, we can use this to find our way in difficult situations such as this. Our way in being able to illustrate and proclaim a warning of God's vengeance to others, one that works for us, is what we can find in Scripture. One that stuck out for me was the parable of the Ten Virgins. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom, Jesus. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. Wisdom. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take all of them. The wise ones, however, took their jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied. There may not be enough for both of us. Instead, go to those who sell the oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived, and the virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said. Open the door for us. But he replied, Truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. You see, the reason 
I see this as a good place to start, is that we know Jesus is the bridegroom. And none of us know the time of his return. But we are to be ready for his return. His return will be the beginning of God's vengeance upon the earth. Our own salvation only ensures our salvation. No one else's. As we prepare, then by our actions, our words, let us prepare and warn others of what is to come, so that they may too be ready. I don't know if many of you know Jason. Jason is a long-term friend of mine. Well, I hope he doesn't mind saying this, but he has a great analogy that he says to me. He says, Gary, he says, when God speaks to me, he drops pianos out of the sky. <laughs> and he says, the reason why God drops pianos out of the sky is because he needs to get my attention. Thank you, Jess. For some of us, we need pianos to be dropped out of the sky for God to be able to get his message across to us. But again, this goes back to the wisdom that we gain through fellowship, through worship, through reading God's word. Each of us will know how God will impart in us what to say and when to say. We just have to be willing. We just have to be adequate. We just need to be obedient. Comfort. So comfort all we want. We typically associate the word more with death. The word mourn means to feel or express great sadness, especially because of someone's death. Why? Death is the end of life. Its action is final. We all have or will have at some point experience the feelings that come with death. An overpowering sadness. For some, I'm never able to move on from. Just one Friday ago, we had to put down one of our dogs. And that brought about great sadness. A great feeling of pain and loss. I don't know whether some of you uh, are pet owners or not, or have had that experience of lost family members, loved ones, people really close to us. Most of us will have experienced it by now. How do we comfort all that mourn? 
How do we free someone from pain? How can we give someone else a pleasant feeling of being relaxed? These are all really very tall orders for us to achieve or to bring about <coughs> for someone who's normal. But yet we are called to do so. God will not call us to do something if it's not achievable. And as I was coming to this part, this hymn came to me. This hymn that we sing embodies the spirit of the call. Make me a channel of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me bring your love. Where there is injury, your pardon me. And where there is doubt, true faith in me. Make me a channel of your peace. Where there's despair in life, let me bring hope. Where there is darkness, only light. And where there is sadness, ever joy. O Master, grant that I may never see so much to be consoled as to console. To be understood as to understand. To be loved as to love with all my soul. Make me a channel of your peace. It is pardoning that we are pardoned, in giving all to, to all men that we receive, and in dying that we are born to eternal life. O Master, grant that I may never see so much to be consoled as to console, to understood as to be understand, to be loved as to love with all my soul. Make me a channel of your peace. Where there's despair in life, let me bring hope. Where there is darkness, only light. And there, sadness ever joy. Lord, I glorify your name. And I thank you for your death on the cross. I trust in you in all things, and I pray that you will continue to prepare us and comfort us all, for that is yet to come. Lord, help us to walk in the fullness of your will, and not to be afraid when pain and sorrow comes. Let our choices and actions be honouring to you always, now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Amen.